Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Canada Podcast. Coach Matt Camargo, the Sports Performance Director at Pro Sports Performance and Physical Therapy in Laguna Hills, California, joins me today. It's a mouthful <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> uh, Matt has been on the show before, if that name sounds familiar. Uh, last time we spoke a little bit about uh, how to understand a person's why when they're training with you, why that's important. Um, and talking about why every rep has a purpose when you're training them, um, you know, not letting the, the workout dictate you and, and a lot of other cool things that I'll link to in the show notes, but he's recently made a transition from one position to another. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you, you know, that, um, one of the main themes is, is the fitness industry entrepreneur side of, of things. So, I'm always excited to to talk to coaches who are making transitions in inside and outside of a, a company or facility. So, uh, without further ado, Matt, I appreciate you jumping on the line, man. I'm I'm sure you're super busy. Hey, thanks for having me again, Eric. I'm super excited to be back on. But you know, we all we all have priorities, right? To making our lives. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So, well, that's actually a great segue right into it. So, tell us a little bit about what your former role was at your uh, other location and then how you got into the director role yeah for sure no i'd love to share it so originally i was a performance coach at pro sport in newport mesa i was doing that for about a year and a half then just through transition of uh, different coaches in and out i was actually the assistant sports performance director for about a month at that facility um which wasn't a whole lot different from what I was kind of doing with my daily duties, uh, which is nice because I was part of a, you know, a great team over there where I was assisting in any way I can, not just in terms of program and coaching, but the admin and, you know, helping making decisions. So I was trained pretty well from, you know, my mentors and my uh, coworkers. Then um, when new opportunities opened up within pro sport at our other facility, which I'm at currently, I interviewed for the job. Um, you know, I was super excited for the possibility, but at the same time, you know, you always have your expectations set to a certain standard and, you know, long story short, I interviewed and met with the regional director of operations and, you know, we get along really well. He liked what I had to say. And, you know, here I am now and transition to the performance director role here and, you know, I'm loving every bit of it and it's definitely exciting and a little bit you know intimidating just because it's new but sometimes you have to be willing to be okay with being uncomfortable in order to you know as we know in the weight room see change or adaptation so basically that's how i see this opportunity for myself yeah and you and i talked a lot about you know just getting outside your comfort zone and uh, giving yourself you know the opportunity to say yes to things to progress and i think it's super healthy for people to get outside their comfort zone and learn something new. And even if it doesn't work out like long-term, I'm not saying, you know, your position is not going to, obviously you're very successful already, but if people just get outside (laughs) their, 
if, <laughs> I don't want to like, jinx you or anything. If people just, <laughs> Knock on wood. If, if people get outside their comfort zone, then that's like a, it, it's, if you're feeling that, that uncomfortable, like I'm not sure if I'm doing this right, that's, a, that's you growing and learning something new. That's like new synapses firing in your brain. Exactly. Right? I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's it, it, exactly. You, you equated it to um, the weight room, which I think is spot on. Yeah, there's uh, the adaptation in the weight room. And just like anything else, like your professional career is, is no different. Um, tell us a little bit about the, the different, uh, what, the different expectations from one role to the next and, and what that transition has been like. So I think the biggest expectation from, if I break it off into the three roles that I was in, is obviously each role you're expected to do the best you can. I mean, that goes without saying. But in terms of, I guess, the, the ability to lead and the way you compose yourself, obviously you want to work for the job you're working towards or don't have. Um, but I think just the ex expectations obviously, you know, go from low, moderate to high. And you're not just in charge of, you know, yourself, but as you keep getting higher in management, from what I've heard and seen and just understanding how, you know, the managerial side works, is you're in charge of a lot more decisions, individuals, and you know basically whatever you're in charge of, whatever department, that department that's part of the company, it's kind of in your hands. So it's a lot of responsibility. And I think with that, people can either freak out about that opportunity or they can learn how to adapt on the fly and understand they just control what they can control, not go too outside of their, their niche or their, you know, their department. But understanding that not going to always have all the answers. So you're not always going to feel ready for the job or opportunity. But like you said, you're going to be uncomfortable probably about 90% of the times when you make decisions, get out of bed, think about what you're going to do next. But it's just your willingness to persevere and, you know, not be afraid of asking for help either. And that's why I think young, old, you kind of have a sense of pride, which is important to a certain degree. But you have to be willing to ask for help and no one to ask for help and just be willing to be just a humble individual. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Asking for help. And there's no point in having, uh, in the work relations if you can't ask for help and make the whole program better. When you, when you were a coach, you know, just, I mean, obviously you're, you're director, you're, so you're, I'm assuming that you're in charge of, of, uh, coaches right now, but when you were a coach and you looked up to the director you were working with, did you, you know, did you, did you see things that maybe really rubbed the right way that you, you definitely learned from that maybe you're not doing now? Um, did, did some of those characteristics kind of transfer over or do you find yourself like, you know, kind of going a completely different route? I would definitely say I was super fortunate and blessed to have the directors I had in uh, my past was the ability to see what I did like, kind of what you said and kind of make it my own a lot of the things i do and how i think are basically kind of a i guess a transition from you know the people before me um i don't know if a lot of people have the luxury or the opportunity to even say that now i'm not just saying that just because you know i'm friends with them and you know they were mentors but i think the one of the biggest things i saw within the director role the performance side is we all have our different visions and long-term goals, whether it's in the private sector, collegiate setting, doing your own stuff, you know, on the side, whatever it may be.
but we still we just loved this industry so much yeah. and we understood we understood that everybody had their own niche and value in giving any type of feedback even if it wasn't even related to performance it could be related to the gen pop business tactics you know anything and that's how i felt through these last or prior to this role two years is that i had a voice and that's kind of what i want to give on to future interns future employees coworkers. is that we're all in this together and we're not going to all have the same kind of agreement in certain things but if we can collaborate learn how to work well with each other and adapt as a unit that's just going to make everything a lot easier on everyone's end whether you're a director or not right yep that totally makes sense so give us a breakdown now that you're you know you're stepping into this role as director what does your day-to-day -day look like compared to when you were uh, either like in your previous role or maybe as a coach that that i'm sure some most most people listening are probably you know at that maybe a beginner level or or kind of uh where you were before or maybe they're even you know at a director type role and they're looking for you know more more information but what were some of the differences that your day-to-day -day, uh has changed uh good question so i'll kind of go on with the similarities so for me personally I came in as early as I could, so I would be there for about eight, 10 hours a day. Given I wasn't doing coaching for eight, 10 hours or programming admin stuff, eight, 10 hours, I was just there. So I wanted to just be there in case something came up and I needed the help, you know, especially as a performance coach, there's always something going on. And you know, I would get a lift in, I would eat, I would study um, and get some extra work done. And you know, sometimes conversations would spark with uh you know my past uh director and coworkers, which opened up our strong friendship now and just other opportunities so from the performance role i would just get in there with the coach and i was just assisting in any way i just basically just walking around talking to people i'd be researching on the computer you know i'd be hanging out lifting with people so that was probably the big difference um with that now with the director role, I'm still in a way doing that. Obviously I have my full-time commitment here and I'm definitely handling a lot more of the, I wouldn't say sales, but discussing with parents, uh, organizations, kind of expressing of what we do and why what we do is so valuable and different. Because a lot of people that understand strength conditioning, performance or fitness, they kind of put it all into like one little section. And you and I know that there's, a lot of similarities but there's differences so spending a lot of time of in person on the phone just explaining what we do and the value and the benefits of it um along with just you know managing a team you know it's a not a huge team but you know it's a team i mean it's more than one person it's not just me so dealing with conflict whether it's with um within outside new problems arise that this equipment's not quite where we need to be you know, even the small household um, activities, you know, printing out programs, this program needs to be programmed. Um, this parent wants to connect us with the travel team. So we got to figure out with our marketing guy if that's feasible for us. And is that financially, you know, smart? Do we have enough coaches? You know, because that's another thing in the private sector is you have a certain amount of coaches on staff. And if you have a lot of opportunities off-site for off-site training, which is great, but you have to also remember, 
we have classes here and our members, clients, athletes that we have to attend first. So right. a lot of times when we have a lot of opportunities, we got to kind of take a step back and, okay, can we even do this with the manpower we have? Will something be watered down? Because that's not what we want to do is have anything watered down because our main goal is in-house. We want people to get into the facility, see all the equipment, see what we do because obviously we have, you know, our turf space, we have our modalities, our bands, our sleds, and all the cool stuff. And off-site, it's, they're still getting the training and our high-valuable uh, training, but, you know, it's different from being in and out, in our opinion. Hello? Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> I just, my, my, uh, my microphone just get, was on mute. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay. <clears throat> I asked, uh, I'll, I'll edit all that out. All right, no so, worries. <laughs> so if you're on, you're getting more of the, you know, the back end kind of things now, um, you know, a lot of office work and things like that. How often are you with clients or athletes? So the goal is to have the, for me is to be coaching still about four to six hours, whether it's with our athlete classes or semi-private or any type of one-on-one occasion. And then the other four to six, you know, kind of up to discretion of me is getting the other um, duties and responsibilities completed. So my hours kind of vary. I could be here as short as six, as many as 10 to 12. And a lot of times with the full-time position is you don't have set hours, but you have responsibilities that are set before you. And you got to figure out on the daily, the weekly, how to spread out your day so you can complete it. And obviously there's going to be things that come up like a new project and you have to step away from what you're currently doing and, you know, make your adjustments there. And then there's meetings that kind of arise last minute stuff. And again, it's, it's not really a whole lot different from anything else in my opinion It's just not getting frustrated when things don't go your way. And just, again, just, I go keep going back to it, but just learning how to adapt and, and communicate with people like, Hey, honestly, I have this priority right now in my life or this career or this job. So I need to get back to you in like 20, 30 minutes. And I've actually kind of done that a few times. It's actually been pretty beneficial for me. So do you, what's that like now that you're, you have people like your interns, you know, looking up to you, is that kind of a weird transition? It, it is. Um, but honestly, from a performance coach, when we had our interns, we how to put in the words, not that they, look, they looked up to like, look to me, Oh, he's my hero, but Right. They, you know, I'm not Superman yeah, like, or anything. Not, but you're like you're an in, inspiration and someone who, you know, has, has, has accomplished um, a lot. And I'm sure they're looking at you not only for, uh, for validation and uh, correction, but I'm sure they're, you know, they, there's aspiration there too. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure there is. I mean, that's how I was when I was an intern or, you know, barely a year into it, whether it was just a coach, director, or where it was, like, I was just super excited just to learn everything, just hear them speak and share their experiences. So when I was a performance coach only, I mean, I was doing that, sharing my 
ideas, my interests, my passions, my fears, you know, everything. And I think that really connected with the interns is that, you know, they saw I wasn't just BSing. I was just talking to them and shared my passions with them and they shared theirs and they asked for advice. And then, you know, I still talk to past interns, other coaches, and even people that aren't, haven't been involved in pro sport, people that are just, you know, from back home, they're starting their own company within fitness or trying to train athletes. And I've talked to them on the phone and, you know, it's, I don't like to think of myself as, you know, people looking up to me. I think of it kind of a team effort, you know, and I know it kind of goes without saying that sometimes people do look up to you, but, yeah. you know, I'm not, how I treated new coaches or coworkers back then, I'm not really doing a whole different now. Um, the only thing I would say to somebody that I'm doing different now is I'm setting kind of a precedent, giving my spiel. And I'm opening it up for people to, you know, ask questions again or to give their explanation, hear them out, not totally disregard it because in my opinion, totally disregarding somebody's idea or, you know, they just don't know. It's not their fault. I mean, who are we to say that we're the one that's right? Obviously, the more experience you have, you probably have a little more legitimacy in saying that this is how it should be. But if, if I want to help bridge the gap of people that aren't so experience in our field or understand what we know turning in a way of being negative isn't going to really help them but instead of i want to lead them and guide them to the right answer mm -hmm. that's what my mentors did is they guided me towards the right answer they didn't just tell me no that's wrong and that's right and that's what i want to just pass on to interns coworkers, employees whatever it may be yeah you got to be able to figure stuff out obviously you know you can drop little tidbits here here's what worked for me here's what didn't work for me but ultimately and maybe this is like in every other industry i can't speak for everybody but you got to have those people who are who definitely have your back but will allow you to screw up every once in a while exactly because, i mean otherwise you know if you're talking to somebody like i can't believe that didn't that this program didn't work or that didn't pan out the way i, I hoped it would that exercise or whatever it is like you know if you're writing a program maybe stuff doesn't flow exactly the way uh, it should and uh maybe like your athlete wasn't didn't have like a hundred percent buy-in or something and it, it took you a little while longer to maybe connect with that that person or to get you know the the major message across to somebody if you if you're not allowed to mess up i think that you're you're not getting the full service or the full benefit of of being a coach of being a trainer of being in the fitness industry because there's you gotta have you definitely have to have confidence in your ability to execute um, Definitely. And honestly, and I honestly think there's a little bit of arrogance that goes along with that. That is not necessarily a bad thing. You just have to communicate well. You have to, uh, whatever, whatever you're showing to a person that you're working with, you have to be confident in it because they can pick up on that, you know, right away. So that's what I meant by arrogance. But, uh, I think if you, if you just go into a situation and you don't want to hear feedback from the person you're working with, or maybe from someone who's been there and done that, then. I, you're going to be halted um, pretty quickly. Exactly. Sometimes people frown upon or they try to prevent failure, but really that's yeah. just going to just make us, you know, kind of cheesy or cliche, but stronger. And it just yeah. teaches you experiences that you can pass on to other people that, hey, I did this that way, what you're kind of suggesting. And I found that it didn't work out that way. So maybe we should try this, you know, instead yeah. of just avoiding it. And it just yeah. passes on, it's just a cycle within the industry. 
you know, this trial and error. If you can't, if you're not going to be bold enough or brave enough to try something new, then you're not going to keep up with the standards of the industry because this industry, as we know, is always changing and there's things that we used to think that was right or correct and we find out that that's probably not the best way to go about it. Yep. Yeah, and, and the people who the people who get who get stagnant and don't give get feedback and don't give feedback, those people eventually, some of them should be weeded out but some of them unfortunately maybe get weeded out too soon or maybe they just fall off because they're not getting the appropriate feedback, you know, and they, and who knows, they could have been, you know, the next, uh, Boyle or the next, you know, whoever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never know. It, they, they could be the next best coach. Um, and, and they don't get the feedback that they need, or maybe they get too much positive feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why this, this might sound really weird, but I'm a big fan of, of giving, of telling people, hmm, how do I put it without sounding like a total dick? Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't want pe- I don't, you know, if something 100% doesn't work or if you feel like it's a bad idea, I feel like it's, it's okay to tell somebody that you're working with, Hey, I think that's a bad idea. And here's why, instead of just letting it go or maybe giving praise 100% of the time. Um, I mean, I don't want to hear, I don't, I don't want people in my corner constantly telling me I'm doing the right things. No, like yeah, I, for I, sure. I want, to, yeah. I want to hear a little bit of criticism. I want to hear, you know what, that, uh, I don't know, like, hey, you're, let's just say, stick like the podcast, for instance. Hey, you know, your sound on the podcast really sucked, you know, <laughs> or, or whatever. I don't, I don't know, just anything like that. But you got to have like that negative feedback to make you step back and be like, oh man, okay, all right, I got to step my game up here. I need to, I need to do a little bit more, more, more of my own work. Or maybe, that person is exactly who I need in my corner because they, they won't feed me a bunch of BS. They'll tell me how it is because they have my best interest in mind. Yeah, and it just keeps you honest, you know, and it yeah. gives you a step back. Like you said, it gives you feedback because you can go your whole – if everybody tells you yes or you're great or you're perfect, you're going to go your whole life, you know, basically living a lie. You yeah. need people in there to challenge you, and I don't think just in the workforce but on your team you know, within relationships, I just think just part of having success when there's more than one person, you need people to keep you in your place, keep you honest and give you that feedback. And it's not trying to hurt you, but it's trying to actually challenge you and build you up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Without, without those people and we're, and we're, I think we're built just as humans to, to kind of push those people away. You know, like it, obviously if it's brought to you in a super negative way, like, dude, that really sucked. Uh, I never want to hear that again. Obviously, that's not the way to go about it. But if it's approached yeah. to you with like out of love and concern, you know, hey, you know, Matt, that that program that you wrote, this person might not be the the best for this individual. You might want to try it for this individual. Stay away from that because you know you'll end up injuring that kind of person. Or you know, don't use that kind of microphone, Eric, because you sound like you're on a megaphone or <laughs> or something. It's just the, the way you address it goes a long way. And especially in a position that you're in now, because so many people are going to be probably waiting to hear how you respond to things, not just, not just what you're going to say, but what kind of tone you're using. And I'm sure you exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I was transitioning to this role and I asked past directors and mentors is kind of what I already knew from them, just having a relationship with them. But in order for us, like I said before, to succeed as a team or company, it's not just 
I'm number one, but hey, what can we do together in order to reach all our goals? Even the goals are separate and individual. Yeah. Where we're at currently, we can still maximize what we're trying to do here, which is just going to be beneficial for us if we go out doing something else or within the company, whatever it may be. And like you said, it is the tone and you just being genuine with that person, not just trying to be a salesman, but hey, like I value you as a human being and a coach. And I understand what you do really well. So what can we do together to work to get to, you know, whatever goal we may have? Mm. Yeah. And the people on the floor, they, I think they really look up to, to people who do that and, you know, try to pull people up rather than, you know, keep them where they are or, you know, or maybe try to push people out the door. Cause those people that, that aren't clicking with uh, the team and don't, don't buy into what the team's doing, they'll, they'll kind of, push themselves out but yeah. people who are people who are building each other up and bringing each other along i think i mean honestly i mean how many people have i had from from pro sport you know on the podcast and all mm. of them have had that exact same team uh frame of mind and i think that speaks for uh speaks volumes of what you guys are doing over there and and who who you guys who all who your, your team uh, expects everybody to be um on the team and the place that they they're, they're in the role that they they're a part of like all of those things are um held at such a, a high standard where all of you are and that i think um explains why you're in the position you are and everybody that's been on the podcast how much success they've had so um matt if you had to if you were talking to a young coach like the first year in what words of advice would you give them I would say probably these three words, be adaptable, um, motivated, at the same time, humble. And with that, I've kind of used for my own is, you know, going back to school, sports, training, you know, I'm never really the best at everything, but what I knew I could control was the effort I gave. And for athletes that I see young, old, or somebody that has a gift, or I could kind of see them kind of where I was at, you know, an average athlete, maybe, you know, whatever you want to look at it. And I don't just teach them or try to express to them why this lift or exercise is important, but the effort. Because if effort's not there, you know, the results really come with it. And I think a lot of times when we reach, a, you know, an obstacle or whatever it may be, we have two choices, in my opinion. You can either give up sit back and oh i can't do anything or you can figure out a way how to get through it around it or over it and especially in this industry when you're coming out you're going to be told no you're going to be put in the corner you'll be put to clean you're going to work yeah. three four jobs and right. you know i know a lot of coaches currently and in, in the past have worked several jobs you know because but they're so passionate about what they love to do performance that they'll make it work yep and some people understand it, some don't, and that's fine. It's not for everybody. Not every job is going to be for every person. If that was me, then we have all the same jobs. So right. I think it's important to understand that you have to find what you're passionate about, your why, and what you want to do, and what you want to be remembered about You know, when that time comes where you're not here on earth, and determine, is this the best, is this the best I can offer? If so, what can I do to get to that next goal and find the people to connect you to the right people and just being, like I said, be humble, motivated, 
and just adaptable, learning to roll with the punches and, you know, don't get afraid of failure, being uncomfortable and connect. And it's just going to open up a lot of possibilities, you know, that you didn't think were going to be open. I think we kind of come full, full circle because that all, all of that kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, being comfortable at being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, all those things you have to be, if you're not, if you're not willing to, to be adaptable, motivated and humble, all of those things can be extremely uncomfortable to, to a coach, yeah. you know, like you almost like you don't want to be noticed. You know, you don't want somebody to give you too much responsibility. You kind of want to just be the towel folder or, you know, clean here, maybe have a couple clients here and there. And, uh, you know, but you get settled into that and that's where you're, that's where you're going to stay. So I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Matt, if, if anybody has any other questions, comments, concerns, where's the best place to get a hold of you? So probably the best place is on Instagram. I'm pretty active on there and I reply to messages when people reach out on there. Um, it's at coach Matt Camargo. Um, I do have a Facebook, but it's honestly just linked to my Instagram where I make a post and it's there. Sometimes I'll share something that I'll see from, you know, other studs in the industry. Um, but that's basically it's a, Instagram is the best way to get in contact with me. And obviously uh, my work email too, which is Matt at prosportpt.com. But yeah, those two ways are the best way to get a hold of me. Awesome. And I hope people do. Matt, I I wish you the best um, in in everything else that's that's yet to come. I I know you're going to have a bright future. So again, thanks for taking some time out today and and spreading some good news, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thanks again for having me. And hey, you too. You're doing great things there. And keep it going, man. Thanks, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, get in touch with Eric on any social media platform at Eric Feigl or email fcp at ericfeigl.com. Make sure to check back every Tuesday and Thursday for more fitness candor.